This is an ABC podcast. G'day, Dr. Carl here. Now, back in early 2022, an enormous underwater volcanic eruption tore apart a recently formed island in the Kingdom of Tonga. Tonga is about 4,000 kilometres east of Townsville in Queensland. As you would expect, the massive eruption set off immediate tsunami alerts, which were all over within 24 hours. But a few days later, well after the initial window of danger, down at the local beach, a surfer asked me how come, even though it was nearly a week after that initial eruption and tsunami, the surf was, and I quote, still crap, unquote. She said that the surfing waves were somehow just different and hard to catch. And when she was floating in the water, it felt like being in a washing machine, continually buffeted from all directions. It took about six months before scientists came up with an explanation. And besides the crap surf, other weird things were happening as well. Now, a bit of background. A tsunami is usually caused by a slab of ocean floor roughly the size of Tasmania and five kilometres down, suddenly moving up or down a few metres, usually due to an earthquake. This shifts an enormous column of water five kilometres high and releases a huge amount of energy. This energy then spreads outwards at around 1,000 kilometres per hour in waves on the surface of the ocean. These waves travel very quickly in deep water, but thanks to basic physics, slow down in shallow water. So when they hit shallow coastal waters, while the leading waves slow down, the fast-moving waves immediately behind them pile up in a big wave, many metres high leading to a tsunami and its well-known devastating results. But in this case, the regular tsunamis were preceded by totally unprecedented faster tsunamis that on some occasions arrived two hours earlier than the regular tsunamis. Furthermore, these faster tsunamis would stop when they hit the coast of a continent, but would then somehow, and totally unexpectedly, start up again a few hours later on the far side of that same continent. So to understand, let's go back to the initial blast. The undersea volcano began grumbling around mid-December 2021. The major set of eruptions happened on 15th of January 2022, between 4 and 4.30 a.m. Universal Time, with the major eruption in the middle at around 4.15 a.m. There was a final big eruption that same morning at around 8.30 a.m. Universal Time. Thanks to the volcanic eruptions, a huge cloud shaped like an umbrella was blasted some 30 kilometres above sea level. That's roughly three times higher than passenger jet planes fly. 
But there was also a central blast of gas and dust that went through this umbrella cloud to nearly 60 kilometres above sea level. As you would expect, it takes a lot of energy to create such a huge and high cloud mass. This energy came from a colossal blast of gases from when the volcano erupted a few hundred metres below the surface. Some of these gases were carbon dioxide and the like that had previously been deep underground and under immense pressure. And so they expanded enormously. But there was another factor. Red-hot lava that blasted out into the seawater. The enormous heat turned the water into steam, which promptly expanded in volume by up to 1,700 times. The huge quantities of carbon dioxide and steam set off a shockwave, not just in the water, but also in the air above the water. Now, this Tongan eruption was the largest since the 1883 eruption of Krakatoa in Indonesia. But this time, we had all kinds of sensors everywhere. In orbit, in the atmosphere, on the surface of the ocean and the land, in the oceans at various depths, and even on the ocean floor. Thanks to the new global network of precision sensors, for the very first time, scientists saw a global atmospheric pressure wave start at Tonga and then spread outwards evenly in all directions at a bit faster than 1,100 kilometres per hour. These circular expanding pressure waves then coalesced down to a single point in the top left-hand corner of Africa on the exact other side of the globe and then spread out from that location back to Tonga again. They rippled across the globe, Tonga to Africa, to Tonga to Africa, to Tonga to Africa, to Tonga and Africa, to Tonga and Africa, to Tonga and Africa, about a dozen times over the next week. These pressure waves in the air transferred some of their enormous energy into the waters of the global oceans, thanks to something that the scientists called coupled acoustic gravity waves. And these waves travelled just above the sea surface. This energy in the air created its own unique tsunami in the water. And this tsunami moved just a little bit faster than the regular old-fashioned tsunamis caused by undersea earthquakes. And thanks to this coupled acoustic gravity wave in the air, this tsunami could leapfrog entire landmasses. As this air pressure wave raced across the surface of the ocean at around 1,100 kilometres per hour, it did something more than just creating strange, speedy tsunamis. For example, in Hawaii, about 5,000 kilometres from Tonga, the pressure wave set off an initial ripple in the ocean waves around 60 centimetres high. But... Instead of dying down almost immediately to a typical background three-centimetre ripple, the ripples in the surface of the seawater continued chaotically bubbling at around 30 centimetres until the returning air pressure wave from northwest Africa pumped more energy into the system. And that kind of explains how, on Australian beaches, for our surface, and I quote... 
the surf was crap for about a week after the eruption, unquote. And this meant that our local surfers had to hang on for a few more days before they could hang ten on some decent waves. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.